we're just going to invite everybody to come on in and join this massive circle that we're making. And scooge in, find a spot, find a friend, find somebody you don't know that you'd like to meet. Thank you, Ted, for the nice. Okay. All right. Where's Asia? There she is. Okay. Oh, we want to see them together. Yeah. Cool. All right. Great. Well, everybody, uh, I'm Jennifer Gibbons. I'm the director of the Pratt Museum, and many of you know Asia Freeman. And we're going to hear a little bit from Asia in just a moment. But I'm so appreciative of all of you coming tonight. This is just a wonderful exhibit. I'm going to lose my voice because I haven't talked all day. Uh, and we're just deeply honored to have this exhibit here. And so to start us off, I would just like to ask everybody to pause for just a moment um, as we acknowledge that we are here today gathering on the traditional homelands of the Dena'ina and Supiak people. And I just would like everyone to pause for a moment and think about and honor that history. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, well, again, from the Pratt Museum, thank you, Asia, thank you to all the artists who participated in this project and who are here tonight to talk to us. Uh, we're super excited to learn more from all of you, and uh, I would say welcome and good alish. Thank you, Jennifer, and to, to the Pratt for hosting us tonight. Um, I would um, talk briefly about protection, but what I'll first say is that this show really is about protecting and supporting and strengthening the physical, social, and economic fiber of Alaska through the arts, which is Benel's mission. And I would just like to invite our board members to step into the circle for a moment. Just step in, Rika, Winter, Ted, Mary, any of our board members, Carla, who are here, I just want to honor your investment in supporting and leaning into our mission. Thank you. Thank you. And would our staff who are present here please step in? Adele? Is Bree Lee here yet? No, Bree so. Allen is not here yet. But you know, I just really want to honor our executive director, Adele Person, for being such a strong support and believer in this project. And then I want to return again to, to Rika and Carla as board members um, who together with our advisors, Joel Isaac and Melissa Shaganoff, really um, identified this show and the passion and um, track record of artists with whom we've been working to say this is the concept, this is the idea that's like surfacing now at this time. And when I say that, I'm speaking of pandemic times, times of ongoing struggle for social justice and justice to the land and the history of Alaska's colonial um, imprint on uh, a living culture. Yes, Dene'ina and Supiak have this amazing history and they're still here today. And all of the art represents what is so vibrant and so powerful and protective within these communities across Alaska. When um, the pandemic hit, we were going along in our usual fashion with exhibitions opening monthly and artist talks in person. And suddenly we were just like, we shut down, right? But we didn't really shut down. We thought about like ways and innovative ways to go online and continue these conversations that um, artists' talks and workshops so deeply um, shape in our, our community. 
And um, we were fortunate to get CARES funds and support through Alaska Community Foundation and ultimately all the, the funders behind the show, Rasmussen Foundation, the Siri Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts um, as well, to support um, artists in making work and in teaching through Zoom, customary art forms, and in mentorships. And so there's some really significant works that have happened behind the show that surfaced through these times, and that became the, um, you know, one of the most important sort of thematic focuses of the show, how artists are working as land and culture protectors, as activists for social justice and well-being, and um, one more theme. It's over there, it's behind Trudet, I'm forgetting that theme. Yes, resilient futures. Resilient. <laughs> and so um, many of those artists are here. And what I'm excited about is the opportunity um, to introduce them and invite them to speak about their work. I'd like to begin with our elder, Helen McLean. And Helen has been a mentor for many years to Joel Isaac, standing next to her, um, of Dena'ina origin. She's an incredible culture bearer. And I'll ask Joel to speak to that some more, because the shape and depth of her knowledge has been so impactful in um, originating the work that they have to share and um, keeping culture alive today. So thank you, Helen, for being here and for the work you're doing. I'd like to start and introduce Helen. Dukidli Taveshnish, Helen Dick, or McLean Leiji, Dochdel Dech. Helen, this is Helen McLean. She is my teacher, and uh, we're working together on Dendi Ina language and culture. And I'll let, I'll, let, I'll let Helen speak for herself, but I just want to start off with uh, respectfully, the Dukidli is a respectful acknowledgement of everyone in the space and asking permission to speak with you. Helen can only, only talk so loudly, so I invite you to come a little bit closer um, if, that's, if, you, if you're needing to hear a little bit better. But um, Helen, if you wanna talk, any, if you wanna share anything about what it's like when we were working together on baskets or your grandma working with you on baskets and yeah, whatever you wanna share. Well, when I was growing up, my grandma taught me how to make a basket because she makes them all the time. And uh, we didn't have a no uh, plate, so we make our own plates with the baskets. Mm -hmm. And they cook in it. And uh, make tea. Make tea in it. So we have to carry around our, you know, tie when we go pick berries somewhere up on the mountains or we go down the, to the creek, we drink water. So we don't have to, you know, our hand put it in the water and drink. So that's how my grandma and them always used to say, should take care when you guys make it, you have to take care of it. And you know, we can't scatter it even what we use or cut. We have to clean it and burn it. So, because that's all they have, they make boat with it, not boat, but canoe. They make with 
that stuff. So, so um, well, I'm glad that guys invite me to go. go. Um, so the teacups that Helen's talking about are the front quarter of the smaller vitrine. Um, there's three of them, and they're really they're relatively quick to make, where it's a fold and pin. And so that's those are the, the teacups that she's talking about. And then one of the other pieces that we made um, when this is part of like a basket camp series that we did, where it's about 60 baskets in two weeks. Um, and making baby cradles is another piece of the birch bark uh, prop like that we use birch bark for. And so we went through the process of doing that. It's a different folding pattern and the connection between the medicine that's in the bark and the moss. Um, having that come together for babies and protecting against those kinds of bacteria. Or, uh, so that was one of the other things that we were talking about as we were out on the land. A lot of the work that we did, so this, this series, the Cooper Landing Bypass, if you've been driving between here and Anchorage, you get to experience that joy for the next two or three years. Um, the part that they're working on right now is the corridor that Helen and I were walking along with ladders and backpacks for about a week and a half straight before they clear cut all the expansion. And so that's the only reason we're able to get bark like this size in this area is from DOT, working with DOT to be able to get access to those trees. And it's just a very different experience being on the highway on a ladder than like in the woods where we got the roots. So it's, that's part of the, how this, these came to be is the roots we were out in the forest um, in more of a quiet area. And then the bark is part of that um, figuring out how to navigate the legal landscape to get access to the materials that we use today. And Helen and I, actually us three, was the first time I made baskets with Helen was with Melissa at culture camp like in 2010. So that was a few, a few years ago. Um, and so it's been, it's been an, over a decade of us master apprenticing together um, with the community of people to learn this and pass it on and have the conversations in Dena'ina about the medicines that come together, um, talking about raising children, the birthing process, how to take care of babies in a pre-contact uh, way. So that's part of what the conversations around this whole basket camp is, is about our littles and then also sustaining us as people. All the ways that the bark wraps and protects the culture. Yeah. And it's hard to do this kind of t talking. I don't know if you've, so this is one of the things that um, try to write about and talk about, but if you just sit down and ask somebody about taking care of children and birthing as a young male having that conversation, how do you document that? How do you have those conversations? Um, this is how we do that because it's contextual, making them, uh, bringing kids around is that whole cyclical part of how we have those conversations and continue that. And if we don't have access to the materials, those conversations stop and that knowledge is really hard to get back into use. And so 
that's part of the other piece that the materials are helping protect our language and our traditional knowledge and the ways that we converse around topics that are kind of difficult to sit down in a sterile environment or an academic environment and talk about family and that kind of learning. So that's just part of how this material and this practice is interconnected to protecting our ways of life and the visual aesthetics as people who are moving around a lot our design lines and our language has I'm a linguist nerd prefix positions in the language but also the visual lines that we use for our garments the repetition they connect to how we adorn ourselves and our fine arts are embedded in these kinds of patterns and imagery and then our language is an act it's it describes action. So the word for birch bark is an action statement. It's the, it's the thing that covers and protects us. So it's not a thing. It's, it's actively protecting us. So it's, it's just a different way of thinking about it and visualizing and how we, so there's language, there's the, the physiological health, there's the visual component, and then there's the multi-generational teaching that's wrapped up into what seems like very tactile, which they are objects, but it's also embedding our fine arts into things that we live with and use versus just having it on the shelf. I do have lots of them on the shelf and then I use them as well. So it's just that's, that's part of the, the process of how this came to be. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Janan. Mm -hmm. I'd like to introduce Lily Hope, who is to Joe Wright, and that's because we'll first travel around this room and speak to hear from the artists who are exhibited in this space and then we'll go into the next room where Melissa who's right here but her work is over there so I'm just going to invite Lily Hope who came up from Juno to come forward and stand with the Chilcat protector masks which was um, also uh, one of the um, workshops that we that we sponsored and she brought together her student cohorts for joining. Thanks for having me. I'm from Juneau, Alaska. Ushkindain da at yukhat tu asak yesh na khasati dakdain tan ayakat. My clinket name is Ushkindain da at. I am Raven dakdain tan. My family originates out of Huna, Alaska, following my mother's 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 line. My mother, Clarissa Rizal, was the was the instigator of all of this, I guess. Um, she taught me when I was a young child um, how to dye yarns and spin warp and put cones on by the thousands, um, how to process cedar bark, how to cook it for days. Um, she led me to the work and really I just kept saying yes because I wanted to spend time with my mother. And then she passed in 2016 while I was halfway done with my first Chilcat dancing blanket and I realized she had left me holding the weft strands, right? Um, so it's a gift to be able to wake up every day and know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. That my goal is to not only perpetuate the Chilcat tradition here, but to find a weaver teacher to step into my shoes. Because I'm literally wearing her shoes. 
<laughs> they are her shoes. Um, so when this came up, this uh, Pratiti came up with um, Asia, the Mill Street Arts, and the Surrey Foundation, and all of that support. Um, I said, of course, I want to teach other people to make Chilkat protector masks because that's foundational to who we are as Indigenous peoples. That as hunter gatherers, we're always looking for um, how to share the wealth, how to uh, protect our elders, how to um, yes, cradle our children. Um, uh, you know, protecting our most vulnerable, uh, the ones who can't hunt and gather anymore. We we bring them the whale, bring them the deer, uh, feed and nurture them, continue to protect them. So the mask was born in, I don't know, March of 2020, and then started teaching classes that same fall. And um, this is a hybrid of that original class. And then um, my Patreon students online that I have been hosting every single Sunday um, that we, I, I think there are 60 plus uh, students that have woven masks, and these are the indigenous ones. Um, actually, a portion of the indigenous weavers. So, um, as as we move, you know, at, right, that our, our our indigenous ways of being is that foundational protection, right? And that the pandemic mandated that instead of me traveling to different zip codes to continue my livelihood and continue the perpetuation of Chilkat weaving, I had to adapt. So thanks for that a theme in the show. Um, I adapted to teaching online. Um, again, I have 50 plus students, 30 of them are weaving small size Chilkat dancing blankets. Um, and uh, the, the thread of resilience is evident in the work and in the show. Thank you. the next um, speaker artist present here today I want to point out that Lily's statement and statements by all the artists and beautiful images that they provided are available in this exhibit catalog which was um, is available for sale very graciously at the Pratt here today and, and re Lily really is an extraordinary writer and so she has a, um, a beautiful um, essay, essay here born into protection and adaptation which I just encourage you to like those um, I would like to invite Sarah Whalen Lund to come forward. Where is Sarah? But there, you're in two places, honey. You're there, but you're down here too. If I, I just want to introduce you and speak if you want. We should go down, or at least acknowledge Sarah's work is at the end of the hall on the right. It's a series of three drawings. based out of Fairbanks and Anchorage, but um, I created it for them just because I wasn't going to be able to have any other way to help, and I wasn't going to be in Fairbanks for AFN. They're holding a big uh, protest, or rally, which they always do for missing and murdered Indigenous women in um, coordination with AFN. So um, I don't know that I have 
a ton to really say about it. The way that I always um, speak more is through the work that I do. So I try and find imagery that to me portrays what I wish I could be saying, right? Something that I hope that people will be able to look at and resonate with. Um, so these are some of the images that I've created. Um, I, I do a lot of illustrative work. Uh, I do traditional tattooing as well as painting, block printing, you name it, pretty much I have my hands in it. But um, yeah, I don't, I wasn't prepared for having a talk, so I guess work speaks for itself beautifully and represents a really strong aspect of the exhibit the theme of activists for justice and well-being and in that work in which you give voice to give an Alaskan face to that you know an indigenous face I should say on the red hand you know bring us into the that, that movement of protection which is you know represented certainly through Amber's amazing um, Memorial Cusbook and other works that you'll see in the next gallery. So I'd like to go over there next and when we're gathered quietly, um, invite um, Sarah to stand by her portrait and then Holly and Melissa to speak about their works in that room. Thank you so much. Glad one of us was prepared. <laughs> Thank you. Willie Jan and set up there. Melissa Shagnos is at the land. Yudishia Koyakara at land. Eitini Ana Kayak Sensiaren. Artists of Curator Vogashna. Chananko Tan was at land. It's good to see you all here today. Um, especially good to see Helen. So good to see you. Um, so this is my piece. It's called How to Be a Good Guest. Um, this is to draw you in. The work is really this poster. <laughs> So um, I uh, was gifted um, a residency this last winter to Huevda, Sweden. And um, I'll just say my partner artist from Sweden is in the back, Dano. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so while I was in Sweden, um, I really wanted to think about like how I could spend my time at this residency in a good way. And as an artist and as a curator uh, in Alaska, I think that I see, well, we all see. A lot of people come to Alaska and they visit and they take their sort of experience and they leave. And I think in some ways that can be really extractive, you know, and I think that it also um, really echoes a lot of uh, the colonial history here in Alaska, is this sort of extraction and seeing Alaska as a place that you know, can, 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 can benefit you or that you can, you know, conquer and, you know, look at as the last frontier. <laughs> uh, but the truth is Alaska is actually a very old place. It's a very cared for place and um, it's a place that, you know, my ancestors and my people have been for thousands of years. And uh, so part of me thinking about leaving Alaska as an artist and going to Sweden, going to, to Huevda, was how do I do that in a way that isn't extractive? How do I do it in a way that's, as a guest, going into another territory and, and not just like pulling for my own personal experience, my own personal gain? 
how do I really deeply understand a place and how do I um, how do I how do I softly and gently leave marks there so I uh, I came up with this framework <laughs> how to be a good guest and it's not really anything new it's kind of an old framework and uh, it sort of is hinged in my introduction, which I just shared with you. Um, you know, a big part of, I think, indigenous cultures across the world, and certainly within Alaska, and certainly within Diné, Athabascan um, cultures, is that you introduce yourself. You introduce yourself with where you're from, who you're responsible towards, Who's your clans? Who's your families? Who's your grandparents? Who's your parents? Who's your sisters? Who's your brothers? Who's your spouse? Who's your dog? Who's your cat? No. You know, and it's, it goes on and on. But it's, it's really this sort of act of like sharing, this deep sharing um, to, to find out where you're related. I share this with you so we can find out how we're aligned. So we can find out how we're connected to see how we can be allies to each other. And uh, I think that in many ways, if we all took that time to really introduce ourselves and where we're from and who we're connected to, that we would inevitably find strings in which we are already tied, you know? And uh, so this is kind of like that framework. It's um, a sort of, a sort of Mad Libs poster. <laughs> and uh, you go through and you answer these questions. My name is, my family and I are from, my ancestral home is, I currently live in blank. Blank is the ancestral home of the blank. Um, it goes on and kind of like with each bend of this loom, the speedwork loom, is another phase of the questions. It says, how do I relate to the land? Does it relate to you? When I was blank on the land, I am blank by the blank. Blank is my relatives. I can explain my relation by blank. Blank is my stranger. I can create a relative by blank. These ideas is that you finish these sentences, just like a Mad Libs, by trying to, trying to, I think, create sort of language behind who you are and I think that when you start to do these things you start to sort of like really look inward you actually um, protect your community because knowing yourself I think is is one of the most greatest protections you can offer you know and because once you start knowing yourself and understanding yourself I think that you you can find ways that, that you can have empathy for others so I'm just going to share a little bit of the writing I have on this poster um, introductions are important. They are both an offering and a hope. The offering is who you are, your name, your family, and where you're from. The hope is whomever you are speaking to will do the same. By sharing this moment, you start a relationship. This is the beginning of kinship. And then you would answer the introduction yeah. questions. And then you'd go down here and you'd say, how do I relate to the land? Does it relate to you? When I blank on the land, I am blank by the blank. When I blank in the air, I am blank of the blank. <laughs> See, so I could go on and on. Um, but I think that as I was doing this, um, it was also kind of like this acknowledgement that uh, 
there's sort of like this yearning as I kind of like understand even my own answers to these questions to really be more deeply connected to things. And uh, I sort of wrote this. This land is not a new or wild place. It is an ancient and gently cared for relative. You can feel its pool for it wants you to become it. I think that um, as you spend more time in Alaska, and many of you are lifelong Alaskans or have been here for many, many years, I think you realize that you're not really different from the land. You're not really different from these things. And when you start to see yourself more connected to those things, you want to care for it more because it's you. And that's really kind of the way I see this protection, is that this is sort of a guide to understand yourself a little bit deeper and to understand what sort of things you need to understand still. And uh, you need to teach yourself, you need to research, you need to investigate. Because I think when you do that, like that's the greatest protection because if you really understand something, if you really care about it, it's really hard to harm it. So I'll finish the last one. Kinship is a relationing of origins. I come from the same place you come from. It recognizes that we are all interdependent, that my survival hinges upon yours. This technology is a knowledge found in nature and within us. We are not separate from it. As we deepen this understanding, we deepen a knowing of ourselves. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs>
film installation. So describe it. A three channel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I thought we'd look at the portraits because it. These pic these are amazing and they're beautiful and the Sarah and I did all these. Yes. Uh, every tattoo you see here, Sarah and I had a hand in, and some of the girls have both of our work. Mm -hmm. um, um, so traditional tattooing, uh, Inuit tattooing is a thousands and thousands. We go. I've held pieces that have traditional tattoo markings that are 11,000 years old, 11,000, carbon dated 11,000 years. So this history is very, very long and many, many, many generations of women tattooing each other. Men did have tattoos, that's always a question I, I get. Men did have tattoos, however, it was a smaller percentage, usually leaders or um, whaling captains. Um, things they wanted to celebrate so the women would tattoo them because the women did all the stitching had better stitches, had better <laughs> stitches did all the stitching and the clothing making for the, the generations of their family living with them you wanted the women who've been sewing forever to be the ones to be tattooing you for sure. and not the dude with the, <laughs> yeah, with the big fingers yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah and I mean the way we do it now we use traditional techniques so no machine um, I actually brought a kit that I was going to tattoo Dano with, our visiting Swedish artist. But with, when I tattoo outsiders, I don't use our traditional markings. Those are sacred just to us. Um, I usually use something inspired by Alaska. And, um, and then it celebrates their time here, right? Um, and, Really what Sarah and I were talking about, because I was trying to figure out what do I want to say about protection, <laughs> um, is that these are our protection, this connection to our ancestors, um, you know, 10,000 years and generations of people um, that was only interrupted 100 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. In fact, we have living memory of traditional tattoos, so we can ask our older aunties what they saw and how they were done. And it's always amazing and powerful when we do find out more. And we find out more every day. Now, Mary? Mm -hmm. Yep. And Mary's on the board and is heavily tattooed by us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, and celebrating your ancestry as a Yupik woman. And, um, yeah, what that brings, that protection of walking around the world it's kind of a scary thing actually to walk around the world with markings you have to fortify which then yeah. kind of protects you because you're on the on the lookout strengthens who right. you are it, it um, takes who you thought you were and then forces you to become that tenfold I would say at, at least you know um, and it not only does it protect us, um, but it protects and preserves the memory of the, all the women that came before us so that we're here, we're still here, right? Yeah, I love, I love it, and, I, and I'm honored to do it, eh? I mean, it's just so special when we are in the room and, like, birds are chirping outside, sometimes yelling, <laughs> or dogs, some, are dogs are barking, things are moving. 
like we have had unexpected movement in our studios <laughs> many a times and just I'm not ready for that kind of spiritual connection <laughs> but it's also very special when an ancestor visits when you're tattooing a person you know sitting there and all these girls have and women I tattooed my mom who was a boarding school survivor and um, scared to death of needles because of the healthcare system that she was subjected to. Um, and that, to do her tavlerun, uh chin tattoo and um, have her walk around proud of who she is now, you know, kind of changed our whole family. Gave her something back. Yes. After everything was taken. Yeah, that was part of our goal. So. You're right. It's taking something back for our women. Right. Shucks, I always do this when I talk about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but such a strong woman, and then to wear the markings now, just and being proud of it. I remember she said to me, because she was scared, um, I want you to do just a whisper. Like, what the f is that? <laughs> I don't whisper. And I realized when she laid down, I could do whatever I wanted. <laughs> so she doesn't wear a whisper. She wears a tuple of wood, like a proud marking. And she loves it. And um, this has been a journey for us. Finding the you know, ourselves, finding our families, finding everything, and I, I love these. Yeah, the ability, um, working with everybody one-on-one, -on -one, you know, sometimes and then sometimes when we travel in just massive oh. groups of women and children, and there's, people are laughing and telling dirty jokes, and everybody, <laughs> you know, you're trying to do a straight line, and <laughs> their chin is moving. Um, but having those connections has been such a powerful part of our healing as well. Yeah, every time we work, every time we sit in a room with another woman, um, working in this way, you can feel that thread. You can, it's palpable. The, our women who used to do this before, right? Um, they're right there with us through all the stories that we're talking about, through all of the tears that we're shedding, through all of our laughter, and the healing power of that, to be in that kind of presence again, is amazing, absolutely amazing. And all of these women have their own stories and, and why they chose to do it, why they're trying to reconnect and represent themselves as modern Inuit women, you know, showing the face of who we are again. I actually didn't know this was going to be here. I didn't know she got these photographs, and it was a lovely surprise. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where'd you get these? Because <laughs> they're amazing. Well, we had to individually contact each of the participants. So, oh, yeah. so I Sarah knew. I probably got about five emails and then finally a text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's a wonderful surprise. So the work I'm showing here isn't necessary. The, the markings are our work. But the girls took their own selfies. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> well, more than it is our work, it's the work that's done through us. Exactly. That's always been done. Yeah, it always has been done. It's why it's, it's not scary for us to do the 
face markings. Because we have trust. We have trust that it'll come. Yeah. And what happens with the marking happens because it's supposed to. Yeah. Not, and, um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. gift to be witness to this work that you've all done and to be a part of this um, community that seeks to protect that um, that right and those long traditions um, I want to thank the Pratt Museum again for hosting this all of our board members and members and invite you tomorrow to a workshop that Lily Hope is offering so Lily I mentioned earlier introduced she has the fabulous mask collection of Chilcat protectors. And Lily, would you just briefly describe this workshop that happens at noon? It'll be over by 1230. It's here at the Pratt at noon tomorrow, and there's plenty of space. Um, we're going to make a, a Chilcat tunic tassel, so the tassel that is at the bottom hem of a Chilcat tunic which is not in display, but the top two masks, the orange one and the um, turquoise one, both with fur in the top center, they have been wrapped um, as if they are the bottom of a Chilcat dancing tunic. So we're going to make one segment of that, which takes anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes, depending on how many of you come, um, and we'll turn them into a zipper pull or little clip. They have little findings. You can clip it to your bag, clip it to your zipper pull, um, have, and take home a little bit of the Chilcat tradition. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Thank you. Well, I just, again, want to thank everybody and um, the artists. And you know, please take the opportunity to talk to them more about their work. And all of the works that are here um, lean into those three exhibit themes, activists for justice and well-being, um, land and culture protectors and resilient futures. There's so many interesting works that we haven't discussed, but those statements are on the walls and they're again in this catalog, which is available for sale at cost here at the Pratt. So again, thank you to Jennifer Gibbons at the Pratt and Chase Warren for installing this show and for the help of Ashley Polito, just a really great team, and all of the artists who could come down. Thank you so much. talking about before with the baby cradles and the baby moths. Um, there's a connection to our children with the birch bark. And so in the essay that I wrote, which was um, part of Helen and I's work, Helen and I wrote a song. So I want to sing it. Um, it's a blessing song for children, since you can't hear it, the, the tune in the catalog. Um, so I'm going to sing it for, for us now. It goes, um, so is that not the beginning? Uh, yeah, the beginning is it's in two parts. Right, there we go. Let's see. And it goes from there. There we here. go. Okay. Over there. Thank you. Um, so it's called Chanikna Irchetnesh, which is We Care for Our Children. And it goes Chanik en Kodi Nochtenstangu Nagaschen Yaglisht Ahedi in Sa 
Kesunzari Hokotunte. Hey ya ha, hey ya ho, hey ya ha, oh ho o. Zani zed, chick o, nachtertani janelner. Koyak di, chick o, idi erkot inelger. Hey ya ha, hey ya ho. Hey aha, oha o, idach di yagli teruya, teruya. Nz aho yagli hituya, hituya. Hey aha, hey aho, hey aha, hey aho. Janan. The last line is, hope all will be well for us as you grow up in this way. So, Janan, for everyone who shared and the fellow artists, I really appreciate the work that you're doing for our people across the state. And we hope that all is well for each one of you as you travel back to wherever home is. So, Janan, also for Asia and Banal for organizing this work. So, I just wanted to, to share the song. That was one of the pieces that um, I forgot when Helen and I were talking that I, is part of the basket making process of mm -hmm. writing a song that song was part of the basket making process so I just wanted to share that. Mm -hmm.